You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Lord Jesus all the praise and glory. Thank you to our worship team. Please be seated. How many are liking the new Hebrew and Greek words that Matt is teaching us? Hey, I've got another Greek word for you. Church, somebody, you ready? Come on, say kebab. I think that's a bit better, isn't it, than this Hebrew stuff? It's a bit heavy, isn't it? Where is he, Matty? Listen, I like Greek and Hebrew. Anyway, good to see you. We need to get this building quicker than we think, don't we? We're filling up a little bit, more people trying to get in the chapel. Lord Jesus, I think the date, once we get planning approval, hopefully end, uh, beginning of March, there's a seven-week period where they've legally got to leave it open for any um, people that say, you know, need to look into it. And then, so hopefully, if everything goes well, could be end of April or May. So keep persevering, keep parking nicely with your neighbours and uh, keep praying. Okay, let's continue. Got your Bible? Tim with me to Mark 8. Wasn't last week's message great from Pastor Mike? Oh, I'll tell you what, I've been looking back at the end of the day and reflecting. That's amazing, isn't it? Where you can see God's hand move in and give you time to repent on a few things as well. It was so good. Okay, Matthew 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? When you think that Jesus addressed the crowd and also his disciples. You know, when we think about this and we look through the Gospels, we see Jesus walking around, coming to people, individuals, different backgrounds, different lifestyles, and then speaking to their life and say, follow me. And some of them left nets, which was their business. Some left parents and careers. And the tax collector, you know, one fisherman left his dad in the boat. And it's amazing how people, when God spoke to them, how one minute they're doing something in one direction, and then somehow they totally, their life not only gets transformed by being born again, but they now relocate and focus their life on following Jesus. The thing is that Jesus said that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. That means if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then it means that you're going to have to follow him. And to follow him at times is going to cost us. And so I want to encourage you because I I, I don't know about you, but over the 30 few years of being in ministry, I've seen so many followers of Jesus on fire for God and the next minute gone. They've stopped following for some reason. And there's a few reasons that I want to talk through in in that I found. There's lots more reasons, but there's a few that I want to talk on. But the thing is that, you know, you you can be coming to church and and out of the blue, the Holy Spirit can speak into your life to do something for him. It may be in obedience to the preach. It may be obedient to something in your life. And you have a choice, a choice to follow or stop following. Just just because you come to church today doesn't mean to say you're following Jesus. Because God has spoken to some of you in this room time and time again about some things in your life and you still won't submit to his will. You stop following. You've said no. You're not willing to deny yourself 
take up the cross and follow him. And uh, when we see through the scriptures, we can see that God calls normal people to follow him. In our case, for me and Linda 30 years ago, just minding our own business, serving the church, God spoke through the Holy Spirit, I want you to go to Bible college. Now, for me, that was ridiculous because of my education. And so when Linda came into the house after work, I just said, go and ask the Lord what he wants us to do. She came down and she went, the Lord wants us to go to Bible college. That was the call of God for us. But that meant to respond to that call, that we'd have to leave family, jobs, houses, everything, location to go follow. That was our call on our life. Now, God doesn't call everyone to leave family, jobs, location, but Jesus does call individuals to leave something. When you come to know Jesus, you know, you're carrying a lot of stuff in your life, all the old ways, all your own desires, and as you walk with Jesus step by step, he goes, right, okay, I want that area of your life. You have a choice to either give it to him or keep it. When you, when you keep it, you stop following in that area. And that's why you don't grow. That's why you don't see God's purpose fulfilled in your life. And so our job, our goal in following Jesus is to be of ears to hear that when he speaks to you, that you say yes, no matter what the cost. So we could have still, if we'd have said no, because we didn't know that we'd end up in Northampton. We, we didn't know where we were going to be. We just said yes. And we went with our car full of all of our stuff, with our children, and drove off to Nantwich, knowing, not knowing our future. Didn't know whether it was going to work out or not, but we just said yes to him, but something had to be left behind. And if you're going to grow in God, and not just be a spectator and do nothing for Jesus, when he speaks to you, you're going to have to make a decision. And that decision is either yes to his will, or yes, or yes to your own. And when you look throughout the scripture, it tells you that the crowds follow Jesus and the disciples follow Jesus and you know in every church uh, there is the, the crowd and there is the the disciples the distinction is the followership so the crowds because the disciples were feeding the multitude then the disciples were healing the multitude and the disciples were preaching good news to the multitude and the crowd was there receiving from God and so in church life, you can either be a part of the crowd who only comes to receive, or you can be a part of the disciples where you also come to serve. Which one are you? Are you only coming to church to receive something from God? And when God doesn't give it you, you no longer follow? Because you know the crowds only follow Jesus until they got what they wanted from him. And as soon as the teaching got a little bit near commitment, they said, we're out. You know, it's the same life in church life. When we hear what Donna talked about, you offering your finances to God. Some of you going, this church only wants my money. I'm not going back. You stop following. When the Holy Spirit and the Bible clearly talks about area of your life that you need to submit some time in your journey. It's not always instant because we're all at different levels. And so when the teaching talks about living the life of holiness... And we teach the Bible that standards of the Bible is how we live our life. And, you, and some people don't like that. And they say, well, this church is not all embracing. We're going somewhere else. You stop following. You're not following man's instruction. We're following God's instruction. 
Jesus' ways. That's the whole thing. So when you give your life to Jesus, he calls you out of darkness into this wonderful light because you responded to his word because of what he's done for you. And then God requires of you to follow him the rest of your life. You know, being born again, coming into the, the kingdom of God is not a one-time experience only where you say, yes, I give my life to Jesus and that's it. Now I live the rest of my life the way I want to live it. No, the Bible says you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You now are been belong to God and therefore we have to now consecrate our life to make a decision that when we first get saved, we are going to live for God now, no matter how long it takes. Every step of the way, God will say, right, I want that part of your heart now. And you give it to him, or you choose not to. When you choose not to, you don't grow. And the Holy Spirit knows every one of your hearts and my heart. He knows what controls you. He knows what fears you hold. He knows what owns you. And so he'll go, that's no good for you, so I want that bit, so you can trust me. When he speaks into your heart, you have a choice to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to deny me or I'm going to deny you. There's only two options in your life and you walk with God. You can't blame a church for your personal walk. You can't hold us irresponsible. Yes, we're responsible for God for teaching and we'll be judged more strictly as teachers. But I, I can't walk your walk for you. I only can encourage you in your walk. You are responsible before God with your walk with God. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your neighbor. You can't blame the pastor. You are responsible for your walk with God. You have a Bible. You have the same Holy Spirit. And the same God speaks to you as he speaks to me and demands of you what he demands of every follower of Jesus. And that is to deny themselves, to align their life with his will and no longer live for you. Now, if we'd have preached more like that 10 years ago, we'd have had a more stronger church, not just in Northampton. Why? Because all we've preached in the past is come to God and he'll give you everything you need and you'll never have any problems. And what we've developed is weak followers, consumer followers. They only come to get from God and then live their life how they want it for themselves. And so you just reach out for God's resources to bless your life and that blessing doesn't go further than you. But you're not called to live like that. You're now called to live for God and his will, not your will. Of course, he gives you free will and freedom and you enjoy life. But everything you do, you say, Lord, is this help in the kingdom? Is this honoring you? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Or has nothing changed since I give my life to you? It's all about my kingdom my personal blessing, my needs. And if the church doesn't give me that, I'm off. And so there's got to be a day in your life that you're going to get serious with God. And I'm not saying that you're not serious. Thank you that you've come to church today. Thank you that you tuned in online today. But there's more to our walk than just coming in attendance of a Sunday. It's about your sacrificial worship to a God that died for you. And our surrender to him more this year than we did last year that more of us are becoming more like Jesus because we give more give him more of our life that I'm becoming more like Jesus because I've allowed him in the areas of those lives that consume me control me and direct me and so to be more like him we have to walk and follow and sometimes when he asks you to do something it's not easy it's not easy because there's something's got to leave your life so you can gain his life
And that's where many followers fail. In fact, the Bible tells us when the crowd one day stopped and it says after they heard this, what do they hear? They heard Jesus' teaching. It wasn't just about blessing them and prospering them. This was a higher level of teaching of the cost of following. And this is after they heard him speak, they turned around and no longer followed him. And then he looked at the disciples and he said, do you want to go too? I mean, that's amazing church growth strategy, isn't it? We all go into a panic when people's leaving the church. But you see, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. If you're really going to follow him, I'm talking about now. You say you're a, a Christian and say that you're living for God. Then there's got to be a cost to it. You're not going to be able to give the cost that Jesus paid the price for you. But there is a price to pay to fulfill God's will. And so for some people, the call of God is not leaving home, family, or location, it's actually going back home to your own family and being an amazing witness, like the guy that got 2,000 demons cast out of him. If you read the story, he wanted to get in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus stopped him and said, no, you don't need to follow me this way. The way you're going to follow me is go home to your family and let them know how good I am. So following Jesus is not all about leaving everything, but there will be something that you'll have to submit to and die to and take up his cross and his will for your life. The few things I want to talk to you about that I've seen so many Christians who, who are following God, excited about God, full of fire for God, and then all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. They're no longer following. I'm sure that you can think of people right now that should be in this service or, coming, or serving God that they're no longer around. And you can, you can guarantee that something has come along by, by the enemy or by life that's wiped them out of following Jesus. Why? It's been too tough, too hard, not understood. And one of those things is called trials and troubles. Mark 4 says, Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but because they have no root, they only last for a short time. Listen, when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, because of following Jesus, because of being committed to his will, they quickly fall away. And not an expectation that when you become a Christian, you sign up to an army, not a cruise ship, a battleship, that the enemy wants to take you out from fulfilling God's will for your life. And his good and pleasing perfect will, in the midst of that, is not always things that happen to us are good. The Apostle Paul says that he's prepared good works for you to walk in that God's prepared in advance for you in, the, in your future. But the Apostle Paul went through shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and went without sleep and, and he's the wrong, one that wrote that. He understood that even though God's got good works, bad things can happen in the midst of those pursuing God's will. But that was his cost. That was what he had to take up. He could have run away and then we wouldn't have had the New Testament. Because let me tell you something, God's will on your life goes further than you and your life now. What we are doing, moving to a new premise, is not just about our comfort, but it's about generations that's going to encounter God on the commitment that we said to yes to God now. And so we have to think about what you do now affects the future. And we have to be committed and not distracted that when you say yes to God and his will, that you're going to have trouble, you're going to have persecution because the devil you know, is dirty. 
He wants to wipe you out. He wants to discourage you. He wants to knock you from under your feet. And, you know, and if you don't understand that when you sign up to say yes to God and you're really serious about Jesus, then the devil will try and send all kinds of stuff into your life. If you're not rooted, if, you, if, you, if you're shallow in understanding that we're in a battle, Paul says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. He wouldn't have said that if it was easy. And so when trials and troubles come, instead of taking them as, oh, I'm not going to do this Jesus thing anymore, we need to embrace them so we can grow to be more mature on the other side. Because nobody grows in the gym without lifting heavy weight. Nobody grows and gets fit without resistance on their life. And nobody in the church following Jesus will grow without you go through some pain. Come on, speak to me. And we've got to develop disciples that's going to head on and say, no matter what the cost, no matter what the trials, we are not going to leave following Jesus. We are all in. We are committed. Now, there's sometimes we'll all need encouraging to keep going because we can't do it on our own. You know, I'm preaching exciting today and I'll need a word from somebody else in the future when I feel like running away because it happens, you know. You know, at the moment, the anointing of God is on me to preach, but tomorrow morning I feel like I just want to run away from this. And then you need other people around you to help you keep going because sometimes following Jesus, the easy option is to quit. The easy option to say, forget this Christian stuff. My life was easier when I didn't follow him. But if you want to take the easy option, we'll never achieve nothing for God. So I want to encourage you today. The New Testament is full of um, encouragement to the persecuted church, full of encouragement that if they allow the heat and the fire that they're walking through, hopefully not because of their disobedience, because they're following Jesus, when they come out the other side, they'll be stronger, more resistant, and they'll be able to stand and keep going, following Jesus to the end. The book, the writer to Hebrews says, remember those earlier days that you received the light when you endured um, in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insults and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were ill-treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you know that yourselves had a better lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what you've promised. When you've done the will of God. See, let me tell you something. Pain, hardship and trials, you know, equals will of God at times. Will of God. <coughs> we say, I'm, there's a disaster going on in my life. I can't be in the will of God. Well, that's not biblical. If your heart is to serve Jesus and you really want to put him first... The fires will come. And I want to tell you, testing will come to try and push you out of the way, not to keep pursuing his will and his purpose. Peter would say, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So many Christians in the past have said, I didn't think God would allow that to me. Somebody told me that he's always going to protect me, always provide for me, and everything was going to turn out right. And I said, who told you that lie? It's only half the truth. He does protect you. He does provide for you. He is sovereign. But when you walk through the valley, it didn't say around it, 
or divert from the valley of the shadow of death is that when you walk through it, I'm going to be with you. When you go for the fires, they will not burn you. When you go for the waters, they will not drown you. But you've got to walk through it so when you come out the other side, you are a bigger Christian on the inside. And when the devil throws stuff at you, you can say, is that all you've got? Is that all you've got? But yet, if you are not understanding that, if you're going to really follow Jesus now, I'm talking about sold out, 100%, all in. I'm not holding anything back. And I need God's grace for him to help me give him what he's asking of my life. I tell you, war is on. War is on. If you want to play mediocre in the kingdom, cool. But I tell you, your life will be shallow. You won't enjoy following Jesus. And eventually, you will leave Jesus. You'll leave him like the crowd did because... What will happen is that you'll stop receiving from God and say, that's it, I've had enough. I'm not getting nothing from this church I'm going. So we need both. We need to be receiving from God and giving to God to others. That's how we grow and that's how we need to keep a balance. So trials and troubles, so watch yourself. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Shame, sadness is that so many Christians bail out and don't let it finish its work. Why? Because we want the quick blessing. The quick fix from God. Get me out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. Get the rapture come. So that, you know, we've got this mindset that God's saying, if you're going to grow up, if you're going to get mature, I'm going to let go of your hand and stop babysitting you. And I'm going to let you go through some stuff and be with you and help you grow. That's what we do with our children, isn't it? You know, I don't know whether I still hold my 24-year-old's hand when I go to the restaurant. It's probably slapped me around the head. But at 18, when they become a man, I had to let him go. And some of the decisions that he was making, I didn't agree with. But I had to, he had to learn to walk on his own. Yes, with his father still there watching him, carrying the pain when he made a mistake. But he learned from the mistakes so when the next time he'd make a better choice. And that's what God is like. But let me tell you, nothing is pain-free in this world. If you haven't got God in your life, it's more painful. Because we have sovereign God. The second thing that will come into your life um, that will try and throw you off and follow on is temptation. Temptation, nobody is serious for God. The devil wants to tempt you away from following Jesus back to following your own desires. That's why he came to Jesus in the wilderness. And he said, you know, come on, I want to fill your appetite that you're empty in your heart right now with hunger. So why don't you turn these stones into bread and fill your appetite your own way? And that's what the devil does to you when you have a, an emotional, physical appetite that's not being fulfilled. You either can submit to God and fill it his way, or you can break his word and fill it own way to fulfill your need. And then he takes you off course. And then Jesus was taken to the mountain by the devil. And he says, see all this, all this splendor? I own it. If you will stop following your father and follow me, I'll give it you all. And the only weapon that Jesus had was his word, God's word. He said, no, it is written. It is written. And, and sadly, in the church, you know, when, when wealth and materialism is offered to you, it's such a carrot of a draw because of some of our appetites that we get drawn away from the thing that God's called us to. 
and we end up in a wilderness with a lot of money, but dead from God. The Bible says that many have been torn away and led astray by the desire for money. 1 Timothy says, for the love of, of money is a root of all kinds of evil. We know money in itself is not all evil because the money that we have can use it for good and we know that, don't we? But at the same time, it has the power to control us and we can use it for bad. We know with our state of our world, a lot of things that they do is about money. But it says this, some people now, he's talking about the church, some people eager for money, here's the difference, eager for it, have wandered from the faith and pierce himself with many, grief, many griefs. So we can see that what tries entices you from following Jesus is wealth, materialism, money. Now there's nothing wrong with money if it's managed right. So, you know, it, it can be a tool in our hands to bless us and bless other people. But if not, it can be a burden to you and a snare to hold you back from following Jesus if it controls you. And so that's why Jesus said you can't serve both. You can't, uh, you can't serve God and money. You can't have two masters. And so many Christians are mastered by money, by materialism. And the thing is that there's time in your walk with God that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and go, I want that area of your life now. I want you to submit your finances to me and trust me with your first fruits because it's got hold of your life and you're not free. And you're trusting that more than me. And I tell you, in, in church life, Lord, I've seen some Christians, my goodness, trying to get the first fruit. It's, it's awful seeing them struggle. I feel sorry for them. You know, they preach that, you don't give your first fruit, you're going to hell. You know, see them sweating blood. Do I have to give this to God? And then, then we try the tactic, come on, if you don't give, you're going to get cursed. And they come in like with a guilt trip. And they come with a gift and they're thinking, oh my goodness, God's going to kill me if I don't get let go of this five pound. <laughs> and so that doesn't work. And we say, right, give and God will give you a new Mercedes. We try that method. <laughs> and the new house. And the promotion the job when you can't even do the one you're doing now very well. <laughs> come on. Some of you can't even turn up on time and you're going to get a promotion. You're going to get the sack. That's what you're going to get. That's a prophecy for you. And then we get all this nonsense. Come on, just give into this ministry and you're going to get all your debt paid off. And because you've given into that ministry, you're more in debt. Because your debt hasn't been paid off. And we're trying to get your money out of you. And the only way that you're going to release anything to God is because of his love to you. And the more you know that he died for you and loved you, your hands start to get a bit looser. Because he's only asking for that which controls you. He's only asking for that way you don't trust him in the area of your life. Why? Because until you open your hands and give to God, right, you can't be free to receive anything from God because you're too hold of your own life and trust. When you open your hand to his obedience through his word, it releases a heartstring of control. Because where your treasure is, and God's after your heart, not your money. And he knows that it controls you. But as soon as you open your hand to his obedience and you let it go, he says, now you're free so I can bless you and put more in your hand for the next time you give to me. You see, it's not about what you give financially or get your money off you. It's getting your heart to trust him that he is over every area of your life. 
And I tell you, I know many struggle with this, but please don't struggle. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give out of fear and condemnation. Get an understanding that God is asking for that part of your life to free you and to bless you and to open the floodgates of heaven over that part of your life. It's not every part of your life. Because there's other areas of your life where God's asking for and you won't give it to him. Lots of areas in my life that God's taken a lot of time to keep asking and keep asking. I don't know what it is why we won't let go. It's just because it's our makeup. It's our old nature. But the more God pours his love in and his promise and we get to know him a bit more, trust him more. Do you know what, Lord? If you're asking for that in my life, I'm going to give you because I trust you. Because you know me better. You made me. You know what's controlling me. You know you would never ask anything from me that was going to hurt me. Only bless me. And that's the way we've got to operate with God. So listen, guys, don't get distracted when God asks for you to, to be... The only way that you can kill greed and this material giving is actually generosity. And that's why tithing is really good. Why? Because it releases something that it's not... You, you're saying to Mammon, you do not own me. You do not tell me where I put my, my finances. God does, because he's my trust and my provider. And because you begin to get free. I was saying to the worship team, core team, about that it's really important as like ministries in our church become members. And membership means that we have to be honouring God with our finances, worship, life group leaders, any kind of leadership. We expect that because we are teaching other people about our freedom in Christ. So it's important that we're walking in integrity, not just in our gift. And so I, I think I said to them, I said, guys, you know when you would go out to buy anything... I don't know if I put it like this, but it was something like this. Have you thought about buying a new watch, a new car, new shoes, uh, new anything, and did it hurt you? It doesn't hurt, does it, when you're buying something for yourself? No matter how much it is. It just gets exciting, doesn't it, that you're going to buy it. Even go in debt to get it. Come on, speak to me. But when you ask to give to Jesus, it hurts, doesn't it? Not giving that. And you, dream it, you think about it all night. And when you give it, you think about it even all day. <laughs> Why? Because it's got a hold. And let me tell you, I said to the, uh, the first meeting, 33 years, we've been to, we, me and my wife have tithed 10% of our income and offerings when we come to give to whatever need God shows us. And I, even to this day, when I look at the direct debit, it, oof, it hurts. <laughs> so why? Because it's, it's touching a part of the flesh. That I've got to trust God. That he is my Lord. Over that. He's just not my saviour. And when we stand here and we sing, you know, whatever it is we say to Jesus in our songs, eventually your life's got to catch up with it. Because he's worth it. And the devil wants to re-road you. And that's why he offered Jesus materialism to make him stop following. But Jesus responded with the word. Thirdly, and I'm going to go for the last two points. What can throw you off following Jesus is the influence and opinion of other people. Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. Wow. 
I've seen loads of people leave church, leave Jesus because of the opinions and gossip of other people. I've seen loads of people leave the faith because of the false teaching from other people that says, do you really believe that? And because they've been persuaded, they've left following Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I want to just help some of you today. You might have some really good friends that doesn't know Jesus and they may be lovely people but they haven't got the values you've got. They haven't got the mind of God like you've got. They haven't got the word of God like you've got. So you really can't take the opinion about spiritual things from them people. You love them. If they're a mechanic, you take advice about how to change the oil in the car. But if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to help you on your walk, in your faith. So you have to always remember that. You don't abandon them. But once they start influencing you in your faith, you're being persuaded to move away from God's direction. So you have to look at your relationships and how they are affecting you in your walk with God. And when you look through the scriptures on that, it can get really close to the knuckle because it's not only people that doesn't know Jesus that can persuade you, it's people in the church that can persuade you. You know, Acts tells us, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Countless of people in this same building have come to church, disguised themselves as, as members, and ended up taking 20, 30 people down the road to start their own church. Now, praise God, because the world's big enough, but you know, there's a lot of people who doesn't know Jesus. Why don't they go after them? Stop stealing sheep. <clears throat> For their own benefit, by the way. Sorry, but you can see about it get a bit upset when people steal sheep <coughs> that, don't, that they don't care for yeah. only to promote their own ministry put that on YouTube <laughs> why because nobody says nothing about it we go oh, praise the Lord hallelujah no you just robbed these people of where they need to be planted for their own growth not to promote my ministry Please be careful who you align your life with and who feeds you and for what reason. Sometimes people will give you a prophecy for their benefit, not yours. This wasn't in my notes, but I just think it's really important for you to know. So do not be misled by false teachers personal ambition for people's agenda be where God wants you to be that's what I would say if you don't feel God's leading you at this church praise the Lord find somewhere where God's leading you because any church that's worth its salt will help you grow it will help you develop in the Lord it's not it doesn't exist to feed themselves but to feed you so you can do the will of God that's all I would say on that and finally this is the one Five minutes. This is the one that's really subtle. I would call this drifting away. Drifting away. This is so subtle you don't even deny it. You don't even know it's happening. Hebrew says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. You know, drifting away happens slowly and you don't realise it. And there's a few components to finish with. 
that you need to be aware of. So the Bible says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Here's a clue. He wants to isolate you. When you're in group form, connected, very difficult to sift you out. It very is. Keep in fellowship. Keep connected. Because he looks for someone who is straying to devour. And so in the short term, you don't really notice these things drifting from your life. It's like me when I'm trying to like not put too much weight on. I'll have a little, I'll have a little cheeseburger from McDonald's. Just the 69 pence one. Not the double Big Mac with the stack on. I'll have a little cheeseburger. I'll have a small McFlurry. I'll have one little piece of chocolate. And then next month, I can't get my shirt on. Why? Because I've drifted away. Little bits, didn't realise going to affect me, and now I'm like a balloon. Been deceived. Three things you've got to watch not drifting. Devotions, personal devotions, daily bread in your life. Don't rely on this Sunday lunch. Get in the Bible, put something in your ears, get the Bible reading over you, get daily bread, don't let that drift. Number two, prayer and worship. Just begin to do that. Giving and serving. Stop. You know, some of you are not physically able to in our church life. I've been serving for years. But if you're able, you've got to get involved. Serve. That keeps you, keeps you going. Let me tell you something. When I first got saved, I was given loads of jobs to do. And I realise now that God was setting me up. Because if I didn't have nothing to do in the church, I'd have backslidden. Responsibility kept me going when I didn't want to go. So please don't just be a spectator all your life and get involved because you realise what God will do with you. And sometimes I'm not going, but because you're on a rotor, you've got to come. And then when you come, you're thankful you did come. How many of you have got a gym membership and you think, oh, I don't want to go today. But after you've gone, you say to yourself, I'm so glad I went. It's true, isn't it? Ask Donna, she goes every week. <clears throat> but you see the results by keep going. Okay, fellowship, and this is the third one I'm going to pray. Stand with me. You've been so good today. Thank you. Don't stop meeting together. Here's what the Bible tells us. Let's not get into a habit. COVID did that for us, didn't it? Killed us for a little bit. Now, some of it was good out of COVID. We learned some good stuff. But let's not get into a habit of meeting together as some are in the motion of doing Jesus called the crowds with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must, not a choice, must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Follow me. Someone said this, the Christian life is like riding a bicycle. The minute you stop going forward, you're going to fall. And I wonder in this room, is there a few drifters? I'm not talking about the band. Remember that? If you're old as me, you know who the drifters are. <laughs> Sitting in the back row of the movies on a Saturday night. Is that the song? No, I'm not talking about that kind of drifter. I'm talking about you know that you're drifting from the daily disciplines that you need to get back into because the devil is trying to sift you. And I'm here to sound the trumpets you don't get deceived. And if you're walking with a crowd that's pulling you away, come on. 
Have some wisdom. Still be friendly, but don't get hooked in. If you're being tempted by the world, come on, align yourself with God. And begin to surrender you back to Him. If you're going through a tough time today, let me tell you something. It will pass. And I guarantee you, if you keep going step by step, that when you've come out of it and turn around, you will be so bigger on the inside. Ready for your next season. Lift your hands with me. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you, Lord. There was times, Lord, when you've spoke to us and we've said no. And we've delayed it. But Lord, I know everyone in this room have an intention that they really want to follow you. And they know, Lord, it's not easy. But Lord, whatever you ask of us, you give us the grace to follow. And I pray, Father God, that if any person in this room is at a place, Lord, in their life where you know that you've been speaking to their lives, Lord, I pray they won't turn back, but they'll, they'll submit their lives to you and say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, wherever you say I'll go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And Lord, if anyone in this room is beginning to drift and somehow they've recognised it by these few little principles, I pray they'll leave this building going, right, I'm going right back in to where I left off. I'm going to start again where I'm drifting. I'm not allowing the enemy to rob me of God's best for my life. Father, I speak blessing over everyone in this room and those online. And I pray that the enemy would not prowl around and get any of us, that we will fulfill his purpose in our lives. And I don't care if you've been walking with God and you've fallen away and you've just turned back up. I want to tell you you've done the right thing and God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten in your life. You don't need to feel ashamed or guilty because you've messed up or you've stopped falling, but you've made a decision that I am going to go forward from this day forward. I'm going to learn from my mistakes and follow Jesus with all of my heart and all my life. Father, I pray for the good works that you planned in advance for your children, that every single person in this room and online will make a decision to follow you and Lord, they'll experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. I ask you for the windows of heaven to open in everyone's life that experience your goodness and mercy. And Lord, they will do great exploits for you. They'll be amazed at what you're going to do through them in their life. And I pray, Lord, as you speak to people over this next few months and years, as you call them, Lord, into ministry, even missionaries, Lord, abroad, Lord, into functions in churches and in their own workplaces, I ask you, Lord God, that they'll respond to your voice and say, yes, Lord, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here I am, wholly available. Yes, Lord, whatever you say to me, I will do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.